It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Welcome to a very special episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Josh and I are interviewing our guest, Captain slash Dr. Patrick Casey, otherwise known as Pat. So Pat is an active duty U.S. Army physical therapist currently stationed at Fort Jackson. Thank you for your service, Pat. I appreciate it. He's also one of our part-time physical therapists here at Vertex. So Pat's also dipping his toes into private practice. Um, What else? He's He's a CrossFit level one coach, CrossFit enthusiast, Olympic lifter. He does it all. So Pat, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on here. It's a you know, it's a pleasure and a privilege to, to sit down and chit chat with you guys for uh, the next few minutes, just to uh, you know, just talk about some great topics. Yeah, man, we're uh, we're definitely honored to have you on the show as well. Um, well, good deal. So, let's get started with um, just kind of the, the story, man. Can you tell us a bit how you got here? I, I know it's I know it's really competitive to become a active duty physical therapist in the army. Um, you know, I tried a long, long time ago and didn't get in. I know you actually went to, uh, to the U.S. Army Baylor program, right, with some of our friends, Danny Matei and Elizabeth Shamanic, is that right? Yeah, definitely. So um, in undergrad, I went to Wake Forest undergrad. I was in ROTC, so I knew that I was going to be in the military either way. And I decided I want to go, go the um, you know the physical therapy route. I was an exercise science major, wanted to use my major for uh, you know postgraduate. So put all my eggs in the Army Baylor basket, and so somehow I got accepted. Like you said, it's a competitive program. I believe my year they you know, had about 400 applicants, and then overall it took about 24 army people and so i uh, went in the program there and it was a great great education graduated 2010 uh, and then uh, my first duty assignment from there was fort stewart in georgia outside savannah spent a few years there doing a hodgepodge of jobs ranging from staff therapist to uh, a brigade physical therapist which is the most unique position i probably had and that's uh, basically a sole therapist for a, a force comm unit or fighting unit for about 3,500 soldiers. Uh, I, I ran a primary care TMC for a little bit of time, and then I moved up to Fort Gordon. I was the assistant chief of the physical therapy services there for a couple of years, and then that brought me up to Fort Jackson here in Columbia, uh, where I started off as uh, the, the chief of the outpatient clinic, and now I'm currently serving as the chief of all physical therapy, which is uh, about three major clinics, and then we have 12 athletic trainers that kind of work in um, like remote sites within their the units that they, they serve in the basic training unit. So that's what brought me to here. Overall, been in about 10 years and, you know, it's time to make that decision if I want to stay in the military, get out or, you know, just go from there. So that's, that's my story up to this point. Good deal, man. Well, um, so I want to back up just a minute. You were, uh, you were mentioning something 
something about being in charge of 3,500 soldiers. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I was a physical therapist of a unit for 3,500 soldiers. Um, so the way the, like deploying units work, they call them brigade combat teams. It's basically a, a unit that says, hey, we need you to mobilize. You can deploy. So you have you know one battalion that's going to be the infantry guys, one battalion that's going to be the support guys, another battalion that might be like field artillery. And so those 3,500 soldiers can, can technically deploy and be a sustaining unit in a, in a combat situation. So uh, every brigade com combat team has their own physical therapist that is responsible for the musculoskeletal readiness for that unit. So I, I did that for about two years at Fort Stewart. Gotcha. I know, I know you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, one of the strategies you used uh, for that um, your physical readiness was actually CrossFit. Is that correct? Well, that's interesting because when I was there, um, the new division commander, so the division of the 3rd ID was a major general at the time. He's now a four-star, is uh, General Abrams. And he decided that uh, he wanted to change up physical training in the 3rd Infantry Division and said, we're bringing CrossFit to Fort Stewart. And so he actually put a bunch of money and invested uh, a bunch of uh, manpower hours to bring in CrossFit instructors to Fort Stewart to get us trained up. And every company, which is about you know, anywhere between 50 to 100 soldiers had their own set of equipment, including rowing machines, barbells, plates, and all those uh, those things available at their disposal at their local, uh, you know, areas of operation. And so that was a big, interesting process as uh, I was part of the first um, the, the test pilot to go through the CrossFit certification through there. And that's where I got my level one originally. And that's where CrossFit became like the workout of the third ID. So, Oh, man, that's awesome. So yeah, it, was, it was definitely an interesting experience. So, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't have any experience coaching that. I know Josh, that's definitely more in your wheelhouse, but like, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Lot of I, people thought our, to, uh, I thought our three, three 400 <laughs> members was a lot of people. <laughs> well, it, it, it definitely is. And the way they broke it down was, you know, they try to get, you know, as many people as they can to be CrossFit level one certified. So basically CrossFit headquarters sent trainers every week initially for 10 weeks straight. And each class was about 60 soldiers. And not not all my brigade. There's uh, there was four brigades total involved, and overall I couldn't tell you how many people we had that got trained up in the CrossFit level one. But I think it averaged out to be probably somewhere about two per company. Like I said, that could be up to 100 soldiers. So they try to have about two CrossFit level one people per company, and then they were the ones that were kind of in, that were supposed to be in charge of the physical training and the CrossFit methodology and the programming with their units every morning. So I wasn't I was like the, the head instructor in terms of getting people prepped for the level one course because the success rate of people passing wasn't that great at first uh, as we all know it's a pretty challenging test um, and so I, I did the prep work for that and then I kind of held my own secondary courses as well to kind of get more people trained in the CrossFit methodology that weren't officially going through the certification course and then I, I would go about in the morning during unit PT time just go from unit to unit just observing and helping their units out to make sure that they're doing proper implementation and programming and so forth so I wasn't in charge of like the programming per se for all the soldiers. It was just more of a, you know, kind of like a checks and balance type system, just making sure things were going in the right direction. Sure. So that, make, that makes sense. It's like a, it's like a whole system where you, you sort of have to de delegate some of those tasks and almost, almost run it like a business in a way, sort of, um, with the, yeah. with the, I guess, with the structure, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah go ahead. No, well, no, it was, I'm curious though, like, so they, they implemented CrossFit, like what, what was the result? I mean, at the end of the day, do you still have to take the standard Army PT test, or is there something different that I use for accountability with that? 
Uh, and so there was a lot of different measures. And so I tracked the injuries myself. So every time I had a soldier come into my clinic, I would track, you know, what was their injury, how they get hurt. And pre CrossFit, we definitely saw a lot of, I mean, backs are always big at any time, but we saw a lot of like knees and ankles and hips from all the increase in running. So there, there was doing running three or four days a week and then ruck marching with, you know, 30 to 50 pounds on our back once a week. So when CrossFit got implemented, you know, I think they try to say that injury rates went down with CrossFit. I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I still saw the same number of soldiers, but, but it was just different types of injuries. I started seeing more back pains that were related to like deadlifting and squats. I started seeing a lot more shoulder problems too from like the overhead pressing and like the, the, the pull up. So mm-hmm. I, I think the injury rates probably didn't change all greatly. And then they also measured, you know, performance on the fitness test. And so the Army fitness test is, in my opinion, not a true assessment of fitness. It's just two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups, and then a two-mile run as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that had lower fitness score, PT scores, actually saw some significant improvements using CrossFit. Just because, it, in my opinion, it increased their overall level of physical fitness and strength. Now, the AP. F2 or the Army Fitness Test is just like any other specialized sport. It's something that you can train for specifically. Right. And you can be what we call a PT stud and score a max score plus bonus points if all you did every day was work on push-ups, sit-ups, and your two-mile run time. And now I don't think that necessarily makes you the overall best athlete if you can rock some good scores on those three events. And so we actually saw a lot of people that were quote-unquote PT studs on their fitness test scores whose scores may have actually gone down in the Army fitness test, uh, but overall would be healthier. I'm actually one of them. Like, I would score a perfect score, uh, but after doing CrossFit for an extended period of time, my score went down. But I felt like I was healthier. I was deadlifting more. I was squatting more. I was more versatile, more mobile. And so overall, as a true, you know, fitness level, I think it had greater improvement. But unfortunately, the Army was still measuring on those three events. Sure. Well, is there there any kind of... um initiative to try to change the APFT in the future? Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like, I feel like people have been talking about that for years, but... Um, they have, and they were, you know, a couple of years ago, they did like a trial run of a different APFT, um, you know, makeup of events, but actually right now, they are in the process of changing the doctrine up a little bit to include more events, and, and um, actually, I think there might be actually be a deadlift event with the hex bar. I'm not sure what exactly what events they are, but they're in the process of just rewriting that doctrine and, and implementing as you know what the time frame is going to be oh, that's pretty sweet is is that one of the things that's um coming out of the place at fort jackson the u.s army physical fitness school are they the ones that are driving that change or they're, like, they're definitely a part of it so the the doctrine yeah it, it's, it's, a, it's a stud of a facility the doctrine comes out of another place up in virginia but they have really close connections and with the the fitness school here at fort jackson which falls under that that unit in Virginia, but yeah, you're right, man. That that, for, that fitness school facility is a, uh, you know, if you are a gym rat or a physical therapist who likes to work in a gym like facility, that's the that's the place to hang out. You seen that place, Josh? I have not. Like I'm gonna have just, to get over just, there. They just gave them the keys to the Royce, man. It's it's like it's amazing. It's got everything you need. Oh God. So it's got like a, a CrossFit type rig, and then it's got, as I recall, um, eight like power racks. Uh, and then, of course, each one's like customized. It has uh, like you know some famous army logos like engraved into them and everything. So it, it's a pretty sweet facility. They got 
you know, all the up-to-date equipment. They got bot pods. They got up-to-date classrooms to do teaching. And, you know, that's just a, it's a great facility. That's what they do a lot out of uh, training to send people to learn like the basics of strength and uh, conditioning, like the CSCS stuff, uh, and then send them back to their units so they can try to do some proper programming. So it's, it's a great facility. And, you know, people in the military, if they're listening, if they haven't gone to that program, the, the Master Fitness Trainer course, check it out. I, I highly encourage it. It's a great program. Gotcha. Good deal, man. Well, um, I guess switching gears here a little bit, uh, just, I guess for any novices, you know, PTs, PT students, maybe any, any undergrads thinking about going into physical therapy school. Yeah, I know when I, when I was in school and Josh, you know, feel free to elaborate on this, but it kind of gets ingrained into us that the military is basically the gold standard because you guys get unlimited direct access. You get to order imaging, prescribe drugs. Uh, I think you get pretty much all the kind of edge you want to, right? Uh, it, can, can you talk about some of those advantages, like basically the things that, that you get to do that we don't in the civilian world? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it sounds pretty sweet. Um, and it is. It, yeah, we get, we're basically considered uh, physician extenders. Uh, we're basically like the front line people for musculoskeletal injuries. And uh, fortunately, we've had a lot of experience in the military working with soldiers and working side to side with primary care providers because, uh, you know, the, the frontline units, not only do they have physical therapists, but they also have, you know, PAs in each battalion. They got doctors and they got all, all sorts of other medical providers. So uh, we work side by side with each other and they understand what our expertise is. And so we are able to do direct access. Uh, not all clinics do it. Uh, um, the reason being is unlike civilian physical therapy clinics, a lot of times there are you know, they, they're trying to get referrals and get a little bit more business through the door. We are kind of the opposite in that we really have too much business and we're trying to keep people in our doors as much as possible without referring out to civilian clinics because we're overwhelmed. And one reason to limit that is to limit how much direct access we actually allow. And if we just let every soldier who wants to come to our offices with musculoskeletal injuries come to our office, we'd be a little bit more overwhelmed. So Primary care actually kind of serves as a gateway, at least in my clinic that we are here now. That's how they serve uh, us best. Now, when I was uh, the brigade therapist, it was, yeah, it was direct access. Like my soldiers come to me wherever they wanted to. So it, it kind of depends on where you are. Uh, we do have a, a few extra additional um, privileges. We are able to order some medications, uh, nothing too extreme. I would definitely can't do like the Percocets and the Oxys and, and, the, and the Tramadols, but, uh, you know, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxers, Tylenols. Uh, you know, we can do, excuse me, something like, you know, dexamethasone if we need to. Mm -hmm. So it's good to have kind of that baseline ability to order some prescriptions. And then we can also do imaging, as you said. Uh, we can do x-rays, CT scans, MRIs, uh, which is great. Um, you have to, like, refer somebody back to a primary care provider or to an orthopedic doctor in order to get those done. And so not only is it uh, better for the patient to sometimes get those from us because we actually have a little bit better understanding of the musculoskeletal system than say a primary care provider may have but also saves the patient an extra visit to go see their primary care provider just to get some images ordered uh, based on our recommendations and we can also order uh, labs as well and so if we, if we got somebody that we think might be experiencing from rhabdo or the, here at fort jackson uh, bony stress injuries is a big deal so a lot of times we'll order like vitamin d and calcium labs just to kind of uh, get a baseline where they are and see if we need to do any kind of dietary supplementation as well. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely a lot more privileges and uh, it, it's, it's, it's been great. You know, it definitely helps us out to better treat and diagnose our patients. Good stuff. 
man. What what are you uh, what kind of results are you getting with those uh, vitamin D and calcium panels? You know, I I don't work in that uh, that basic training clinic. You know, we have I told you we have three clinics right now. So my patient population, I work out of the main clinic, which is a you know I don't see a whole lot of bony stress injuries where I am. Uh, the the TMC or the True Medical Clinic, they see the uh, the basic trainees and they're the ones that order more of the labs. But there's actually, I mean, I know there is a deficiency in a lot and the nutrition care department, which is right next door to us, there is a big initiative in the nutrition care section in the army to actually push out these new uh, performance bars. Uh, I think starting beginning of 2018, where soldiers are going to have these new performance bars that are in basic training uh, and they're fortified with vitamin D and calcium. So uh, I know it's a, uh, it's definitely something that's been, you know, well researched uh, in the nutrition world and, you know, it's definitely something that uh, is much needed in these uh, younger trainees who don't have one the prior exercise needed to sustain military lifestyle or and or proper nutritional habits. Sure. Yeah, I was just I was just curious about that because you know I've, I've basically we hear it all the time that the U.S. population has a vitamin D deficiency, and I just didn't know if that was a little bit different um, across you know what you what you might see. In your population basically but no I, I bet it's pretty similar across the board yeah good deal man well so um one thing that we were discussing a little bit last night was the the term soldier athlete and that's that's something that uh seems to get thrown around in the military quite a bit and uh, apparently that's something you, you you got a little bit of beef with right you don't <laughs> prefer that terminology so i mean so soldier athlete is a term used in the military that's very similar to the uh, well-used or wide term, a wide-used term of tactical athlete in the strength and conditioning world. Uh, so tactical athlete, of course, it you know, applies to the, the individuals that are involved in like law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, those types of occupations, uh, soldiers. And so we just call it soldier athlete in the military. And yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that term. Uh, and I don't get me wrong. I mean, I might get some, maybe some nasty grams about this, but I, I, I get the intent. Like, you know, that you need to treat your 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 people that are in these occupations uh, more so like athletes. Give them the resources, give them proper programming and training because their jobs are a little bit more physically demanding and require um, a little bit more out of them. And a lot of times it's because it's you know life, limb, and eyesight's involved. You know it's important uh, to to maintain the readiness. So I just don't like the term all that much because. Uh, I think it's almost insulting to both soldiers and athletes. So, for example, you know, soldiers can be offended to that term because, you know, athletes, you know, they voluntarily sign up to do something that isn't necessarily putting their life on the line. You know, soldiers are, are signing up, committing their lives to the Army and risking deploying down range to Iraq, Afghanistan, wherever, and putting their lives on the line, even if their occupation is something that is not combat so you can be you know for example physical therapy i mean i'm not a combat occupation but you know if i go and get deployed you know i i, I will be um, expected to travel from site to location from one location to another so i'm gonna be on i'll be on convoys or taking black black Hawk helicopter rides and so it's definitely something that's a little bit different than like an athlete yes they're dedicated to their job but it's for death necessarily now on the other hand you know athletes could potentially be offended by this comment because not all soldiers are actual athletes and that's a, i think that's a misconception that a lot of people have when they think about military is that oh man it's great to work in the military because everybody 
everybody's fit and, you know, they take care of themselves. And that's not true at all. Um, you know, if you take, take away like the special forces units and the Rangers and those like high speed guys, you know, you look at like the bulk of the military, um, you know, a lot of them are not athletic. They don't take care of them, themselves. The only fitness that they do is what the army tells them to do for 45 minutes to an hour in the morning. Uh, but then they, they end that session with a honey bun and a Red Bull and a cigarette. And so, you know, that they, they don't treat the average soldier, in my opinion, doesn't treat their body as well as an, uh, as a true athlete would, you know, and, you know, before this recording, we were talking about the formation run I had to do this morning and how soldiers were falling out you know, within the first half mile to a mile. And we were running at maybe a 10 minute per mile pace. Now, again, this is just uh, a representation of what I see when I experience and I'm not in a special forces or a, a um, you know, ranger unit, but I do think this is a good representation of a lot of people in the military that, you know, a lot of military folks are not truly athletic. They have the potential to be athletic, but they don't treat themselves in that manner. Right. So what do you think? Just call soldiers, soldiers, call athletes, athletes, and leave it at that. Yeah. Call, you know, train firefighters like firefighters, train police officers to be police officers, train soldiers to be soldiers. And specifically, you know, in the soldier field, train soldiers to do whatever they're supposed to do within their occupation. So, uh, you know, technically I'm a soldier, but I'm a physical therapist, but my physical demands are going to be different than, uh, you know, an infantry guy who is expected to, to, to walk four or five miles in rugged terrain and be able to kick down doors and, you know, you know, be in a combat situation and sprint and low crawl and do those types of physical demands. So, you know, it's it, it just call what it is and treat them like they are and give them the resources to right. do it. So, and that's the other thing, too, like athletes whether they're collegiate, semi-pro, pro athletes, or just a dedicated athlete willing to spend a little bit more money to go to a gym facility, you know, they have resources that are available to them uh, for their physical fitness training. They got coaches and um, strength conditioning specialists. While outside this, the special operations unit, most military personnel don't. You know, we got gyms on post, but a lot of times their physical training is just, you know, it's basically calisthenics. It's, you know, let's go outside and let's, well, let's go for a run. Let's go for a three-mile jog today, or let's do a bunch of push-ups and sit-ups because that's what the army measures as part of our fitness test, and that's what we've got to be good at right now. So, sure, soldiers. For most part, the soldiers don't have the same resources available as athletes do. Right. Yeah, I think in in some ways that that sound that seems analogous to the general population in some ways. I mean, just a lot of people just do the basics, just enough to get by, and I guess you'll find that in any any type of population. Um, you got people on all spectrums just when it comes to fitness and athleticism. Yeah. Well, oh, Pat, definitely. That's true. Yeah. Pat, I know um, to kind of transition gears here too. I know going into PT school myself, I kind of had aspirations of, you know, at least thinking about or, or looking into or pursuing a career either in the military or contracted with the military in some regard uh, from a healthcare perspective. So I was hoping maybe you could kind of talk to, you know, people like me who might have that, interest you know if you don't go to the Bay- the army baylor program if you are civilian trained kind of what are some options or ways you can get involved if you do want to work with this population yeah great question so the physical therapy clinics on military installations is not 100 percent active duty population i mean there's plenty of people that are we call uh, government service employees or gs employees where you know, you can be a physical therapist and just say, you know, hey, I want to go work at, say, Fort Jackson, where 
am right now and there's a job position open, you just apply just like any other person and go through that whole process and you'd be hired on. And so you, you're a civilian, you wear civilian clothes, you go to work, you know, you work your eight hours and you, you go home. And that's actually a pretty sweet uh, position because unlike a lot of civilian clinics where especially the ones that are quote unquote like PT mills where patients are, you know, therapists is seeing patients, you know, every 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes. Uh, these therapists, like my my GS civilian physical therapists that I have right now uh, that are scheduled in, the, in our main clinic, they see at most 12 patients a day. You know, they might do four new evaluations, eight follow-ups. And they're not treating their own patients like you see in a lot of other clinics. So we have physical therapy techs and assistants that do the treatments, but it's a de- definitely a nicer, you know, less intense, uh, higher, higher, or sorry, slower paced clinic, uh, which allows you more time to actually work with the patients and evaluate them and, de- and develop good plans. So that's one option. So you can go be a, a GS employee. Um, a lot of other clinics are actually, they, they will hire contracts for physical therapists. So you might uh, be, be employed by another company and then that company can contract out to a physical therapy, uh, a military treatment facility and work that way. So that's just basically like being a GS employee. So you wear your civilian clothes, come to work and see your patients to go home. But if your goal is to be active duty and actually be in the military, you can definitely contact a local uh, healthcare recruiter, a military recruiter, and uh, try to do like a, what we call a direct commission. Uh, you don't need to go to West Point. You don't need to do ROTC. Yeah, you, know, you just apply, go through the process, and if there's slots available, uh, you get accepted, and then you pin on as an officer. You go to an officer basic course in Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, which, by the way, is a fantastic place. And then, voila, you're a, you're a physical therapist in the Army at that point. So there's a couple of avenues. If your goal is to work with the military population, there's definitely a couple of options there for you. Very cool. Well, Pat, man, um, this is great. Before we end things, I just got to say, I really enjoy working with you this far, man. We like having you at the clinic. Um, I've learned a lot from you, man. And I got to say, you're a lot more laid back than I expected. Back to duty military PT. Um, but now I've learned expect, a lot from you. Did you expect me to be all upright and tight butt and everything like that? Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I, was gonna, I was having flashback <laughs> from my, my days at military college back in the day. Hey, man. You know, this, the Citadel is a little bit more strict than I think the average military uh, unit. So. Yeah, it's it's like a giant fraternity, man. Hazing this too, right? And, and no, I, I I really do appreciate the opportunity to work with you guys in Vertex, and, um, and like as I mentioned with Josh's question, you know, as a military physical therapist, we typically don't actually get to treat our own patients, and you know, the Vertex model is great because it gives me a chance to work with the patient one on one, and not only do I develop a treatment plan, but I actually implement that treatment plan with the patient. So, you know, it's a it's a win win for both of us. You know, we get to learn from each other and. I get to work on my treatment skills at the same time. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to spend that time with you guys. Absolutely. Well, um, Pat, if people want to get more information, where, where can they find you? I know you have a blog and uh, I appreciate wearing that sweet work tech shirt. We do recordings, by the way, but um, what, <laughs> what's welcome. your Instagram, what's your website? Let us know all that. And we'll put it in the show notes too at the end. Yeah. So it turns out that this whole social media thing is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm not <laughs> posting as often or as much as I want to. But uh, I do have a website, uh, which is solely just for content purposes for me to, to put some stuff out with another buddy of mine who is a professor at University of South Alabama. Um, it's it's gritphysicaltherapy.com. Uh, you can just Google that one. And then same thing on Facebook, gritphysicaltherapy.com. That's G-R-I-T. And then on Instagram, uh, just my personal one, is just PKCPT. 
Um, not a whole lot of professional postings there, but you know, you can see some pictures of uh, my cute girls and my family. I'm a little biased, but I think they're amazing. So. <laughs> well, man, we really appreciate you coming on again. As Brand said in the beginning, thank you again for your service. Um, you know, hopefully, people got some some info out of this, and if they're interested in uh, pursuing any type of career working with the military population, hopefully, they'll reach out to you for more information. Um, as always, to all of our listeners, if you uh, want to hear more from us, uh, make sure you check out our Instagram at Better Faster Podcast or our website, betterfasterpodcast.com. Uh, if you're looking for more info from Brandon, uh, you can go to Vertex PT, at VertexPT. Uh, if you're looking for more info from me, you can go to at CPT underscore strength. But most importantly, if you can, if you could for me, please go on and leave an iTunes review. Uh, that always helps us uh, reach more people, which is the goal is to keep this conversation going and, and try to extend it out to as many people, uh, like-minded people that want to know more about the physical therapy and strength and conditioning worlds. And Brandon, before we go, what's coming up next year that we need to be uh, looking out for? Yes, two kinetic courses we need to plug real quick. So we have the Rock Blades, of course, coming up February 3rd at Vertex PT Specialist. Uh, that's at our clinic. And then March 10th and 11th at Carolina CrossFit is the Fitness Athlete Live Weekend Seminar. It's hosted by Mitch Babcock and Ryan Smith of Institute of Clinical Excellence. Two great courses coming up. Uh, student discounts are available for them. Check it out. We'll have those in the show notes as well for you. Yeah, for so sure. So is there anything else I want to get off the chest? No, those are those are uh, going to so be great time. courses, man. Uh, Ryan and Mitch actually both were just named like the top forty or whatever. Um, I think it was top forty most influential people in the physical therapy world. So you got two guys that are um, you know making some waves, uh, and you know we're lucky enough we're gonna have both of them in the same building here in Columbia to learn from. So I'm I'm pumped for that course, Brandon. Yeah, it's gonna be great, Pat. You're gonna be there too, right? Yeah, I'm gonna try to be there. Definitely. Awesome. So good opportunity to meet meet. Pat Casey. Casey, if you're in town. All right, fellas. Well, another good show in the books, and I will see all of you around. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the ground at Vertex PT.